0: To a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) Treating yourself with kindness can be life changing and journaling can help you get there. Learn to let go of negativity and improve your self-image. Build the skills you need for managing self-criticism and practicing self-compassion so you can increase happiness and let go of anxiety. Clarity helps us find focus and direction so we can take steps toward what we want for our lives. Allison's work is designed to empower you to get clarity on where you are and where you'd like to be. Growing in self-compassion starts with seeing things as they are. Before making the changes important for healing, it's essential we get real about what's holding us back and no longer working. When you unload the weight you've been carrying, you make room for compassion. It's freeing to create a future beyond the places we've been limiting ourselves. What we can imagine, what could be, is where new possibilities open and we come alive. Our dreams, visions, goals, and commitments give us direction and a purpose. They inspire us into action and guide us back on our path when we inevitably get off track along the way. Allison. Valeria Tellez interviews Allison McElroy, the author of The Self-Compassion Journal, prompts and practices to inspire kindness in your thoughts, Emotions and actions. Allison is also a speaker, cognitive behavioral therapist, artist, teacher. She is the founder of Center for Spark, a personal growth company committed to radiant well being. Allison is passionate about empowering and inspiring people to come alive, live their brightest visions, and light up the world with love and joy. Drawing from more than 15 years of clinical experience and training, Allison is wild about sharing wisdom and tools. She has helped thousands of people transform their lives through her books, courses, workshops, and retreats. Allison's work has been featured in major media outlets, including Very Well Mind, Psych Central, and Medical News Today. Meet Allison at allisonmacleroy.com and centerforspark.com. Here's the interview with Allison McLeroy.
0: In your own words, who is Alison McElroy?
2: Who I am is people are lit up, empowered, and lighting up the world. That's who I am.
0: Wow. I love that. It sounds very simple, doesn't it? And um, Mm -hmm. clear to me and obvious. And I wonder why so many of us human beings uh, with the conditioned mind and bodies, we're not able to see that, to answer this question the way you did now. Do you wonder that too, Alison?
2: Yeah, I think I love knowing that who I am is um, like my calling, my purpose and bigger than myself. It's, you know, how I contribute to the world and, it's a journey and it changes over time, but there's a lot of um, strength and ease and clarity that I get knowing who I am and how I show up in the world every day. And knowing that, again, who I'm being, people are lit up in all different situations. They're empowered. And that interactions with me result in the world being lit up with joy and love and people's brilliance. And really keeping that intention of who I am in the world is really important to me. I set
0: that off record and I'm not keeping my promise about not getting deeper and going deeper into this, but I think I (laughs) I will. (laughs) I noticed that a lot of people, especially around me in person, my family members, when I tell them like, you know, you needed to uncover who you are. It's important to know who you really are. They look at me very puzzled. Like, what do you mean? I know who I am. I am, that's who I am. Look at me. Look, look at it. You know, the body. And then they are Lord to show me the body. And then the, you know, the way they speak, the personality and the energies, right? There, I'm alive. I'm here. This is who I am. The body, the mind and the thoughts. So uh, I guess the question is, how do you guide others to see or to understand or to realize who they really are beyond the body, mind conditionings?
2: I think, and that's a great question. I think the the first part is being willing to choose who you want to be for the world. Because we, you know, and, and the first part is giving up our personalities and giving up kind of predictable ways of relating or predictable habits or patterns. We have, we give that up and we choose who do I want to be? Do I, and, and often I'll take on a way of being as a practice for who I want to be in the world. Sometimes it's for a week, sometimes for it's for a year, sometimes it's for six months and I'm just choosing who I am as being powerful and so I let that guide all of my interactions, my choices, all I have to focus on who I want to be, who I want to show up as um, being self-expressed, being connected, being loving, being generous, you know, just practicing these ways of being and, and having that be a choice for how I show up in the world. And again, guide, um, guide my actions. And, and so the, sort of unpredictable happens and I get to create the kind of world that I want to live in. Otherwise, default will always be there. (laughs) I Uh, can wake up as uh, Allison, grumpy, you know, all the kinds of ways, um, And and unless I'm creating an intention around who I want to be and how I want to be for other people in the world. Um, it's very easy to fall back into those old kind of you know personalities and the ways that we show up otherwise in default mode. So I think there it takes a lot of intention and commitment yeah. and sharing that with the world. I love the way you answered that. It's almost like
0: we are not fixed. There's mm. nothing fixed about mm. the real us. And that was um, a beautiful insight. The way you described that. Just I, I choose what I want to be. It's almost like a what and a who um, for a month, for a period of time. I never heard it that way. That makes sense to me because we are not fixed. But there's something about us that really, or in us or um, around us, <laughs> that really feels like it's fixed. It's not the body, not the personality. It has nothing to do with the intellect. There's something with me now that has been here since I was very little. It's mm. almost like that sense of, uh, it's very simple of being here, being alive. Like, oh, I'm in the body. That's interesting. I remember asking that question when I was really young, seven years old, I believe, asking that question. Oh, are you back here in a female body without mm. knowing anything about all these things that I know today? So it's kind of interesting that awareness that we might call that, I think I have heard, of course, the word awareness, that the way of perceiving whatever was perceiving this reality, it was there and has been there. It's here now and will never go away. It's something that perceives everything, that sees what's happening, which is you cannot be what's happening if you can see them happening. Changing, Mm. but when you say that, it makes sense to me that we can think that way too. So we are not fixed and we can be aware of anything that we are ready to. Obviously, we need to be open to that. So, speaking of practices, I know you mentioned, yeah, intention, but also practices, right, Allison. Mm -hmm. We needed to practice. And your latest book, the Self-Compassion Journal, prompts and practices to inspire kindness in your thoughts, emotions, and actions. In this book, it seems like that's what you're trying to accomplish. Inspire Mm -hmm. us to uh, realize who we are through practices. I know know it's about self-compassion, but I keep going back to the fundamental truth about uncovering who we are. Mm
2: -hmm. So yeah,
0: talk to me for a moment about... Your book, what inspired you to write a book about self-compassion?
2: I think for me personally, I've struggled, you know, a lot in life, um, really pushing myself really hard to achieve. And um, there's a lot of kind of perfectionist tendencies and patterns and, you know, really getting frustrated when I was making mistakes or what felt like failures and getting defeated and also, um, trying to please and, you know, just sort of all those struggles that I think a lot of us humans, where we feel like we're too much or we're not enough Uh, (laughs) ping pong (laughs) around that. (laughs) And we start to live our lives kind of, um, in reaction to those, to those beliefs. And I think that, um, discovering personally the practice of, you know, really being kind and gentle with myself and, Discovering that for myself and then discovering that through being a therapist, you know, for nearly 20 years and seeing that really, you know, huge breakthroughs happen in sessions with clients when we start to talk to ourselves with more kindness and that 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 opens up everything. And that, you know, that I think for I work with a lot of people that are, you know, high achieving and again, I can relate in that way. But I think sometimes we feel like, oh, if we stop and are, you know, nice with ourselves or our understanding that we're, you know, that we won't keep achieving and that's the way we have to motivate ourselves. And so it was a really radical idea. And there's, you know, so much beautiful research behind it, including from Kristen Neff and Christopher Gerner and other people that, in fact, the more compassionate you are when you fail or make a mistake or um the more you actually can bounce back and learn from your mistakes and keep going and that it's actually really motivating and that, you know, beating, I think we all have inner critics that we deal with and I, it's really freeing when we start to disengage from that critic and can see it for what it is and can identify that there's a part of us that's protecting us and will say things and it has really good intentions, but this inner critic can really block the joy and stop us from, you know, doing bigger and bigger things in life. And so it's really freeing to be able to do some work with the inner critic inside so that when when we hear it, we say, "Oh, thank you so much for trying to keep me safe or thanks for trying to protect me." And again, I'm choosing to play a big game or I'm choosing to be powerful in the world and, um, being really committed to, um, action and to be creating and, and, and that in in order to do that, we've got to really work with the part of ourselves that can, you know, have a field day and beat us up (laughs) when we're not doing things well or struggling to forgive ourselves when we did things that weren't aligned with our values. And, um, you know, how do we move forward when we're, Um, that voice starts taking over and impacts our behaviors. And these practices, um, they help so much. It's
0: interesting to hear when you say, I am choosing. So a lot of times we tend to believe that we are the parts, right? These, the inner critic and all these other parts that try to uh, protect us per se. So how do we become aware of this, I that's choosing, that can choose better ways of experiencing this life. Is that something that is also fixed, Alison? That's something that's fixed or
2: it, it keeps changing? I think there are a lot of ways to connect with that, you know, we can call it higher self or consciousness within us. And I think that, you know, one of the ways um, is just in, this is in the journal as well as right. We can start bringing, and I'm a, you know, I've been a cognitive behavioral therapist, so I've been working with people's thoughts for many, many years. And so one of the ways is to be able to start seeing what our thoughts are, what are we actually telling ourselves? And then start to work with them enough to start to untwist them and then we start to see wow i've actually been believing that is the truth about me about my future about who i am um and we start to untwist them and and that's also what's really exciting when people start to see that they've been there's been an underlying belief or thought about themselves especially that they made up and that actually isn't the truth there's all this freedom then to create in, in the space of that so i think part of it part one of the really powerful ways to access, you know, being having less attachment to the voice in our head is to be really clear about what negative thoughts we're telling ourselves and and starting to see that humans have a lot of similar patterns where we Um, can blame ourselves or we blame others or we do all or nothing thinking or we assume it's automatically about us or we assume the worst case scenario or we're mind reading, right? These, all these patterns that we do as humans. So the more we can kind of see, Oh, I'm doing that again. I'm assuming they don't like me because they said this. It's not actually the truth. I don't even have to believe that, right? There's all this freedom that comes when we stop identifying with our thoughts. And we get to start choosing how we want to talk to ourselves. So I think, you know, the way we talk to ourselves is really important. Um, and I also think there are ways to, you know, um, practices like meditation um, that connect us with that higher self that is naturally really compassionate and really warm. And I love it in one of Tara Brooks, Brock's books, I think it was in Radical Acceptance, um, she talks about, and I, I have this metaphor in the book as well, but I, I think it really captures it. She talks about, you know, you're walking along and you see a really cute dog and you want to pet it and you walk up and it snarls at you and you're kind of scared and you're upset and then you look closer and you see, oh, the dog has its paw stuck in a trap or, you know, in the gate. Oh, of course, that's why it's doing that. And you kind of soften and you understand. Um, and I think that we're really capable of doing that with ourselves. Like, oh, of course you thought that or you were feeling that. That's what was going on for you. So really that naturally loving, compassionate, wise part of ourselves is always there and we always have access to it. And I think, you know, different people find different ways to to connect with that part of themselves that really has that wise knowing that's like the vast sky there. Um, and I think, you know, I think another way to connect is also just really being courageous enough to lean into our uncomfortable feelings and um, getting to the other side of them, right? When we spend a lot of time trying to avoid them. We don't get to break through to the other side where there's a lot of confidence and freedom and um, fun and play. <laughs> but we've got to right, really be able to make space for uncomfortable sensations and comfortable feelings and, and be intentional around being with them to be able to get to the breakthrough to the other side of them. And I think all of those in combination have us connect with the very natural self-compassion that we're capable of as humans. Yes, a trillion times to all of
0: it. (laughs) And I love the peace on leaning toward our pain, our um, difficult emotions. Mm. That has been such an amazing practice for me. And what I do, I tend to do, I know you call it the higher self. I don't have a name for it now. I, I was calling life now. Yeah, let's keep the higher self, because you, you mentioned. I usually ask it, the higher self, to guide me through whatever happens. And there's a lot of, uh, it almost goes beyond courage in a way, because I feel like there's this, this trust. It's um, Yeah, I have to say, I have to use the word trust, because it feels like that. It's a place where there's no fear of what could happen. Although it could go wrong, too, because sometimes when we give in to negative emotions or very strong emotions, something dangerous could happen. But because of that trust, in my case, it has happened in the past, of course, because I trusted so much and I I just gave in and then bad things happened. And now it has softened in a way and then it doesn't really happen anymore. So I'm wondering what happened, what changed It might be that intention, right, Megan? I'm a lot more intentional about this process of navigating emotions and hard ones, uh, strong ones. It might be. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, it sounds like a beautiful journey. And I think um, what I heard in that, too, was that there's... um, a willingness to experience it. Mm, yes, yeah, and so that, yes, you know, the first is like a willingness that there's nothing wrong, there's nothing bad, that this is part of being human, and just a willingness to let whatever feeling wash over or be present and to give space to it, and to be willing to experience it. Um, I think is huge, and and then from there, it sounds like. You know, over time, when you keep practicing being willing to experience all of that and you see, wow, I I think a lot of times people think, oh, if I allow myself to experience the depth of the sadness or grief or anger, um, I'll never get back. It'll be endless. It'll just keep going or I'll lose it or I'll flip out on someone, right? Like all the fears that we have around really surrendering and being willing to experience really, really hard sensations and emotions. And I think over time, as you practice and you see, you know, oftentimes, like even, you know, emotions, uh, even have like a 90 second sort of reaction in the body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let them really like sadness is here. You label it, you give it like a minute and a half. Um, it sort of does its thing. You're not resisting it. You're letting it flow through you and you're like on the other side of it. And so I think, um, Whereas we can spend months trying to avoid it, but like it actually can be done in 90 seconds, you know, just to really give yourself permission and be willing to experience it. And I think that builds trust, you know, like, oh, I'm seeing that each time I allow myself to feel the anger or the sadness and know that there's really beautiful values underneath, right? Often with anger, I value respect and consideration and that makes sense to feel angry. I'm sad because I love somebody, you know, like that, that they make sense. There's nothing wrong with feelings like the really allowing yourself in that practice over and over again. You say, I survived it. I actually feel better. I like, I like healed through it that there's a real trust that, you know, I can do hard things. I can handle hard things and I'm not Scared to experience them, and there's uh, you know, not only is there more openness and willingness to keep experiencing more uncomfortable feelings, I think that naturally starts to shift, you know, behaviors that maybe weren't helping us, like stuffing it with food mm-hmm. or alcohol, yeah. other right. things to keep avoiding. Like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel the depth, I don't want to feel, you know, like boredom, whatever it is, right? Um. I, being able to identify um, that I've been avoiding feeling and, and the willingness, yeah, I think it builds trust in ourselves that we're a lot more powerful than we think that we are. So let's
0: see. I have some more of the opening questions. I'll be asking you questions about your book in a moment, more questions. But yeah, I wanted to ask you this one. What is the difference between self-compassion, self-love, self-empathy, self-forgiveness, self-kindness? There are so many names, so concepts, ideas. Is the self compassion just a name for all the others, or do you actually see a difference between them?
2: I mean, I think right, self love would be the the biggest umbrella for all of that. Really loving self, and I think that um, with that is is maybe even bigger is a is a, a accepting ourselves. And I think that that's where self-compassion and self-forgiveness are kind of elements of that. But being able to really see our shadow parts and the parts are like, oh, I don't like that about me or, you know, just absolute disdain or shame around or, oh, I hope no one finds this out about me or these parts of us that we wish, you know, we could get rid of when we're working on embracing, accepting all of our parts. And really identifying, you know, I'm a human and that, that's just part of the deal. (laughs) I'm going to have all of it. Right. And, um, I think that that's huge. And I think that, you know, out of that comes a lot of spontaneous love and joy because I think, you know, resisting parts of who we are or trying to hide parts of who we are can really take up energy. But when we start to see, I can still, you know, I can, value have strong values and um and maybe have feelings like disappointed that i did something and see that it wasn't aligned with values and and see that forgiveness could be helpful in healing something that happened in the past or or even um someone else right and their actions um but i think really accepting ourselves all of ourselves is, is the journey. And I think that leads to, again, a lot of love and joy and freedom to be who we are. And it opens the space to um, really choose, yeah, how we want to be when we see our patterns and love ourselves anyway. When I think
0: about freedom, I just mentioned that word too, and you did. I love the way you talk about uh, self-acceptance. And what comes to me is that, in a way, we are already free, right, to be anything that manifests, because that's what life is. All this that we are experiencing, that's an experience anyway, that is free to be what it is. But at the same time, we are trying to become Free enough of the attachments so we can really experience that other uh, possibility, which is I call it joy, bliss. So, in a way, it's interesting to kind of contemplate the idea that we are actually already free. So, that kind of uh, gives us that space to breathe deeper and exhale freely that this is it's okay to let ourselves and everything else just to be what it is but at the same time now so it's such a paradox in a way isn't it freedom we're already there but at the same time we're now
2: I think too it can be you know moment to moment so you know going back to what you said about self-love versus self-compassion and you know all the different ways we can be connected with ourselves I think self-compassion can can Really help when we're giving ourselves a hard time about mm, something, yeah. you know, <laughs> like um, in the yes. moment we we don't like what we did, or we're frustrated, or we want to do it differently, or um, yeah. we're mad yes. at ourselves, <laughs> we're feeling a certain yeah, way, and true. so I think that um, yeah. <laughs> I think what you're saying too is like freedom can be in one moment where we say to ourselves something as simply as yeah, you know. I'm having a hard time right now. (laughs) That's (laughs) freedom too, right? Yeah, I'm feeling I'm having a hard time, (laughs) Uh, and I'm not the. And a lot of humans on the planet are having a hard time in the same way right now. uh, yeah. And I have a choice. I can keep suffering in this moment and keep beating myself up, even though it's over. Or I have a choice. I can, you know, I can commit to doing things differently next time. I can take action i can choose to you know be gentle with myself um but i think that it's like you said in the beginning right we're not fixed we we can feel like we're fixed but actually moment by moment we can make these choices around okay what am i telling myself here do i want to keep believing that cuz it's causing me suffering in this very moment right now what else can i tell myself or how could I, can I shift the way I relate to myself in this moment that would then open up? Would I be willing to be compassionate toward myself and see what opens up when I'm not pulling myself away from the moment and going up into my head and beating myself up for whatever, you know, whatever is going on in the moment? So I think, um, it's a willingness and a choice over and over and over with something that you're committed to that's bigger than you.
0: I love how you bring spirituality into your practice as a therapist. I have been seeing this a lot more these days. So talk to me for a moment about how you do that, how you bring this, let's say, out there ideas into therapeutic practice.
2: I would say, you know, I've been I bring a lot of Buddhist ideas and practices, I would say, into sessions and um, and have been very interested in, you know, reading Buddhist books and, and doing Buddhist practices for many, many years. And I think that, I think that pulling from, um, again, ideas like leaning into discomfort, ideas around, um, working with the mind, I think really overlap really well. And, um, dropping storylines and realizing we are not our thoughts. We are not our minds. And, and I think working with clients to have them figure out how do you connect with yourself and how do you find ways to create peace within? And sometimes that's with movement. Sometimes that's with meditation. Um, really exploring what, what feels um, and, you know, different at different moments. But I think that those a lot of spiritual practices connect really well, especially with cognitive behavioral therapy and art therapy and um, encouraging people, again, to connect with that consciousness or awareness that's and and wisdom that's deep and accessible and within always. I want to mention again that
0: your book, The Self-Compassion Journal, it's available for pre-order now on Amazon and it would be released on September 13th. So I'll have that information on your podcast profile too, Allison. I think it might be available by the time this episode is published anyway. You do, that's the practice that you engage in that you call it Spark Coaching. So talk to me for a moment about that. I would love to hear more. And also the courses and workshops and also retreats that you offer.
2: Mm. So, yeah, Center for Spark is something I founded a few years ago. And the workshops and courses and and, and coaching are all connected to, number one, having really being able to take the time and space needed to really explore what lights you up. What brings you joy? Are you living in alignment with that right now? Are there, are you loving how you're contributing to the world? Are you loving the relationships you're in? And really, I think giving space and time to assess where you're at. Is this, is this it? And 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 then being able to create a vision for how you want to live to really create the life that really excites you, creating the kind of life that you're just called into, can't wait to live, that you're excited about. And it feels aligned that you're doing what you you're able to share your gifts, things you're excited about and be able to really contribute in the world in a way that is inspiring and energizing. And so that's really part of spark is really being able to figure out what brings you a ton of joy and lights you up. And the second part of that is, um, who you're being in the world adds that spark. And I think that oftentimes I've gone to amazing workshops and retreats and classes and courses. I'm like, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And then afterwards, uh, like, oh, it's uh, so hard. Right? And so I think, yeah. you know, another element of Center for Spark mm. is really creating the structure for accountability mm. so that when you make commitments for, the goals for your life and the values you have and the way you want to live out those values. And it may be radically different from how you're experiencing your life. It could be a, you know, job change, relation, you know, moving to another part of the world, right? Knowing that anything is possible for yourself. What do you want to create as an artist for your life? And then really having the structure and accountability to keep um, creating that even in the face of things not working out or difficulties right like to keep being unstoppable because it really takes something to keep creating the kind of life that you want to contribute to the world and who you want to be for the world so it's really um exciting and i um have a um uh, background in art therapy so i use a lot of creative hands-on exercises and activities for people to get really deeply connected with themselves but i also really believe in the power of community and healing. And I think that we heal best among others and yeah. and it feels really great to be in community. So that's a huge part of um, Center for Spark as well.
0: Mm, I love the name Center for Thank Spark. You. Yeah, it's the spark, right, that we need. I love the way you say too on your website. I don't have it here, but you you talk about the light. I think you quoted Rumi, right? On that, mm. what was that quote again, Ali?
2: Um, I think it's something like I'm I'm going to butcher it, although I should know it. But um, it's something like it's your light that lights up the world. Yeah, something like that. Yes, and, and I really think that that's that the foundation of Center for Spark when when you're doing the inner work and you're connecting with that natural energy and and joy that is ours, then you, you're lighting up from the inside out, and it really benefits everybody. Everybody.
0: Almost goes back to that idea. You probably have heard that my healing is your healing, and mm-hmm. our healing together is the healing of this reality. So it goes back to that, doesn't it? It goes back to doing the healing work. So thank you so much for... For so being in this, in this reality, in this field of healing, being open to it. It's such a beautiful thing to see. It's very close to my Thank heart, you. this path of healing for some reason. And I really appreciate you and what you do, Ali. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Valeria. And I really appreciate what you're doing with your work and your podcast and the impact that you're having in the world. It was very inspiring and I'm grateful for our conversation today.
0: I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions, but before that, so I want to ask you a question about, yeah, the Spark Coaching. Is that done online, remotely, or in person, groups? How does it work, Kelly?
2: Um, it's remote and groups. It's, well, it's one-on-one and groups, and... Um, that was something that the um, pandemic, <laughs> um, yeah, <it> helped with. <laughs> naturally opened up. Was not something yeah. I was doing very much of, um, but I, I've, I found that that being able to work remotely with anyone in the world has been really exciting. Um, to and yeah, to be able to work together with people from all different parts of the world together is exciting. Um, my favorite of course are in-person workshops and retreats, but I, I, I really love the, the one-on-one work and group work that I do. I think, um, like you were just saying, you know, when someone's transforming who they are and, you know, unleashing the, the things that have been holding them back, whether it's um, hard feelings or anxiety depression or whatever it may be and they're starting to really feel come alive then it's really neat to see how it reverberates into their families and communities and workplaces and and so um even even one-on-one work is really world work
0: <laughs> mm, yeah uh, another beautiful insight of course yeah right uh, what can i say to that <laughs> Yes. There's something else in your book that you say that caught my attention. You said joy and suffering don't exist in our circumstances. They exist inside of us. Yeah, I stopped
2: for a while when I read this. Yeah. It's something I had to remind myself of all the time, right? Yeah. As humans were like, no, but it is the circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, but it is. And I was yeah. like, well, hmm. yeah. is it? <laughs> uh is it
0: yeah, that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> Look and closer. Think, yeah,
2: right. <laughs> the 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 um I feel really um grateful for having so many people work with me with their thoughts and what's going inside their minds for so many years, you know, like I said, for almost 20 years that to, to see the humanity in the way that we create our own suffering. And I'm right right there as well, you know, as a fellow human going through all of the same (laughs) and similar suffering. But um, I also get to see how much joy is naturally in us. And, And it can just, when we, shift things and let go of things, the, the natural, spontaneous joy that can emerge effortlessly when we're doing the work is really exhilarating to to be around and is a lot of the oxygen for me in the work that I do to see that transformation happen for people.
0: I have a few more questions. Before I ask you those final questions, Ellie, would you like to add anything else that we left unsaid or read a passage in your book?
2: I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to, see if there's anything, I think, um, I'm just looking through my book. If there's anything, oh, maybe I'll just read what I flipped to. I f- happened to flip to page 34. Um, and it's an affirmation that's in the book that says, I can hear my inner critic without taking its direction. I can befriend who I am in all my parts. Mm,
0: Yeah, I love that one too. That's wonderful that you uh, mentioned the affirmations. I love them. And there's one in particular that really caught my attention. The one that you say, I can put my hands on my heart and bravely lean into discomfort. I can ride the waves of my emotions. That's mm. another one that caught my attention. The one you read, it's very similar too. That's, that alignment, right? The message that we need to hear. It's fascinating how they they come to us in the right moment. What do you love most about being in the human body or being the human body?
2: Hmm. What do I love most about? Ooh, I love it. Um, I think... Joy and play and community. I think I I um, feel most alive when I'm connected with others, and I'm in nature, and I'm I'm experiencing yeah the joy of connection. I feel really grateful to be in this body, experiencing the connections. And um, connections that I'm experiencing in the world. They bring me a lot of joy. What three
0: experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die?
2: Mm. Well, I think being able to completely accept themselves The rough parts, the smooth parts, the dark, the light, the shadow, to be able to really love every little thing about you, to really have warmth, kindness and compassion for all all of you, knowing you're a human, having a human experience and really having love for our humanness. Um, that's number one. Number two, I wish for humans to have the experience of living a life that they really love. It's really possible to be really lit up and creating a life that you're really excited about, that you're really inspired by. And third, for people to experience the love and the joy and fun in connection, in community, being with others, um, and the joy in contributing to our world, to contributing to others, the joy in just being a contribution.
0: Uh, what is not to love about everything that you just said? It feels almost like a meditation, <laughs> a guided meditation, a very short guide meditation. Thank you so much, <laughs> Thank Ali. You. Wow, how beautiful. Uh, before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: Mm, so, Center for Spark is my website, and you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Center for Spark. And the book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and some other, um, websites and it comes out September 13th. Although I encourage pre-orders cause that gets more of the book out into the world. I'm committed to people loving themselves all over the world. And, um, yeah, that's it.
0: Wonderful. I'll have those two links on your podcast profile, too. Thank you so much again, Allie, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now.
2: Thank you. This was wonderful.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Alison McElroy and her work, please visit alisonmacleroy.com and centerforspark.com.
0: more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.